Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Thanks, Amber. <clears throat> the passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. The disciples do some strange things in this one. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. <clears throat> so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Excuse me a second. <coughs> It's just the old sermon cough, don't be worried. So welcome to everybody here today <coughs> and to everybody watching online. Now hands up please, anyone who has never, I repeat never, talked to a pet, dog, cat, horse, mouse, whatever. Anyone who's never done it? No? Not a hand goes up. Not surprising. <coughs> it's just a natural thing to. Oh, excuse me. Come with the set mic. <coughs> I hope I've got that going now. Okay, yes, we can chat to it. We can have a friendly conversation with it, sort of. We can ask it questions. We can confide our deepest thoughts with it. We can do all sorts of things. We talk to them in words, but how do they reply? Not in words, no. They may wag their tails, they may purr, they may rub against you, or whatever, but they never talk. 
animals don't speak our language, with the one exception for the oldies. Remember the TV show, Mr. Ed? Anyone remember that? Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. <coughs> His lips were moving, but I always had that faint suspicion that he wasn't really the one that had the voice, but I never resolved that one. It was a bit of a worry. So yes, when we talk to an animal, we get a response, body language, maybe a bit of vocalising, but that's it. When we talk to a person, we're getting messages back in two ways. One is body language, but the most usual one, the one we pay a lot of attention to, is what I'm doing now with the voice. Animals, people, but what happens when we move higher, <coughs> excuse me, still haven't moved it, and speak to God or talk to God? Just how do we communicate with God? That communication is called praying. So let's put today's service into perspective. Last year, Josh gave us a series of uh, sermons on our vision statement and the five core values that flowed from it. And he asked us a couple of weeks ago, what is our vision statement? If you can't remember it, <coughs> you're like me. This is just the latest of a series that those who have been here for some time have had. So let's have a look at it. Thanks, Mark. To see lives transformed in the good news of Jesus. To see lives transformed in the good news of Jesus. See if you can get it in your heads. So that's the basis. That's our vision. The core values stem from that. <coughs> and last week, Kathy gave us a great sermon on the first of them. That's authentic community. Today, we're looking at the next one, which is fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. So let's look at prayer. Got a dirty great Bible dictionary that puts it this way. I've altered the wording slightly to make it a bit more inclusive. So here we go. The Christian worships God when they adore, confess, praise and supplicate God in prayer. This highest activity of which the human spirit is capable may also be thought of as communion with God, so long as due emphasis is laid upon divine initiative. <coughs> A person prays because God has already touched their spirit. Note that emphasis, the divine initiative. We don't start it, it is a response to God. So Jesus had ideas on prayers and there are plenty of references to them in the Gospels in particular. These are just a few. In Luke 11, there's a story about a man who knocks on a friend's door at midnight, which is pretty unfriendly really when you think about it, because he's got an obligation because another friend has just turned up. Now this is midnight for heaven's sake, but there he goes. So eventually the guy says, okay, he gets up, gives him the bread, because the man persisted. And Jesus follows that parable with the words, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now it's not quite the same tack, but it's in a similar vein in Luke 18. Here's this unjust judge. A widow comes to him and pleads her case. It's a good case, but he can't be bothered. It means she hasn't got enough money to give him a backhander, so why should he bother? But in the end, he does give in because he finds this persistent widow is just wearing him out. He, he's had enough, and so eventually he gave her the justice that she demanded and was worthy. So Jesus says, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No. So those two parables talk about God's generosity and our need for tenacity in prayer. Just don't give it a bit of a go and then give up. Keep at it. I still haven't moved this stuff. Later in Luke, there's a parable about two men who prayed at the temple, not in the Taibuk temple, but at the temple. And the Pharisee was there, big noting himself, oh God, what a wonderful, pious man I am. The tax collector, quote, beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So Jesus commented on these two prayers, and their prayers was, and the Lord said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and anyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. I've got to have one more coffee, excuse me a second. Let's hope that worked. No, I've lost my hearing aid. Things are going adrift here. I can't hear me, but hopefully you can. In terms of prayer, Jesus says in Matthew, or in terms of unity of prayer, Jesus says also in Matthew, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And we often think about that one when we've got... Got it. Now it's secure. So we often use them when we're two or three together, whether we pray or not, God is with us. God is with us this morning. God is with us online because we're gathering electronically. And there's a related saying in Mark 11, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It doesn't mean that everything we pray for, ask for, just comes like that. It doesn't work that way. But it'll come. So that's just a bit of a sample on Jesus' ideas on prayer and its effects. There are plenty more if you want to troll through the Bible. But he also gives us advice on how to pray. This comes from Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So we've heard a couple of examples there of people standing and praying and it would seem that that was a fairly common practice. But we don't have to stand and pray. <coughs> we can pray anywhere and any way. We've got a book at home that goes through chapters on what positions, got photos, you can pray like this, you can pray like that, you can pray like that. That's for someone who's completely new to prayer. Most of us, I think, have worked out our own idea. The main thing to keep in mind goes back to that dictionary definition. We are responding in prayer to God. We're dealing one-on-one -on -one with that God who created the earth, that mighty God. We're also dealing with the same God who knows each of us individually, the same God who loves us and is very concerned, the God who knows who we are, what we've done, what we're up to at the minute, that God. So there's a model for prayer and that's also found in Matthew. It has a shorter version in Luke. In the book of Matthew introduces this prayer with these words. This then is how you should pray. In other words, use this as a template. In Luke's gospel, the words are more of an instruction. When you pray, say, now Father, so on. Now Jesus saw this prayer as important, yet <clears throat> it's a strange thing to me that for the last 12 or 13 years we stopped saying it every Sunday in worship. Now we hear it in, uh, as we did this morning, in the communion service. Otherwise we hear it only when the worship leader or preacher thinks it should be included. So we're going through the Matthew version, it's the longer one. We start with a greeting. We're greeting our Lord and we're praising God. Our Father in heaven. <clears throat> That's who we're talking to. And the praise, hallowed be your name. Always remember who you're talking to. May God's kingdom rule the earth here and continually. Your kingdom come. It hasn't fully come, so that's why it's in the continuous sense. There's more to come. So many people are not followers of God. Then we acknowledge the rule of God. Your will be done. God's in charge. That's what we're asking. That's what we're accepting. Specifically where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Here, with us. Then we look for <clears throat> and ask for our physical needs. Give us today our daily bread doesn't mean just bread made of yeast and flour and all this other stuff. It's our bodily needs, our physical needs. Bread in the widest sense. And forgive us our debts. In the version that we use we say sins but we're talking about the same thing. The acknowledgement here is that we are imperfect. We don't get it right. So forgive us our debts. And then may we do the same thing as we also have forgiven our debtors. Notice that we don't say have forgiven, we say forgive us. We have forgiven. I only just picked it up this morning when I was going through this again. 
It's an interesting concept that's been slightly changed in the modern version, or from King James onwards actually. We call for continuing support in our daily lives because we need that support and lead us not into temptation. Temptation's always there, there's no argument about it. Don't come to church, I don't just feel like getting up. And I've got to look at Facebook anyway, whatever. Finally, <clears throat> call him what you want, call it what you want, but there's this evil force that's always onto us, trying to change us, trying to trick us. But deliver us from the evil one. It's personalised here, but whatever you think evil is, there's always that temptation to say, oh, do it my way, jump off this tower. The angels will catch you, it's fine, not a problem. Now the last bit we always say, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, or whatever way you want to say it, that was tacked on somewhere in the days of the early church. Jesus didn't say that. It was added later as a tribute. So of course we don't always pray in a one, two, three, four, I'm up to slide 16 now, now slide 17, yeah, I've done it. We don't always do it in that sequence. We pray often little quickies. Some people refer them to arrow prayers. I don't like the word arrow because it's shooting at God. It doesn't seem right. But you know what I mean? They're, they're quick prayers. <clears throat> I just saw that lady fall over. Please, Lord, help her. Bring support to her while I go there as well. Or, thank you. It may seem silly, but in sport, I often find myself saying, thanks God, that was a good ball. In the old days, I got through that hoop with my croaky ball. They're little quickies. They're meaningful. They're reminding us that we are with God. We can come to God at any time, in any place. Now that's verbal prayers, but of course there's so many other forms of prayer. We've had them in this church. Dancing. We've had dancing here. We don't often see it as a prayer, but if it's offered as a prayer, it's a prayer. Music, we had a great new song introduced this morning. A couple of oldies too, beauties. Paintings, wonderful paintings. I just noticed the other day when I parked outside the church, if you look at the church hall, the old church hall, in the window there's a picture of Jesus. It doesn't appeal to me because it's that sort of pale, wan, gingery beard fellow that looks a bit... <laughs> he needs help. But you know what we're talking about? People can express themselves in oils, in acrylic, in watercolour, sketching, charcoal, you name it. Sculpture. Years ago we visited the um, St Peter's in Rome. I'm getting all emotional. <clears throat> There's a statue there carved by Michelangelo, the Pietà, and the Pietà is Mary with the dead Jesus. It still breaks me up. That's a prayer. So how matter, no matter how we say it or how we do it, it's a prayer. As long as it's offered sincerely and it is a genuine response to God. So that's prayer. I've covered it to some extent. The core value we're talking about this morning is fervent prayer. I've done the prayer bit so far as I'm going. Let's look at the fervent. Years ago I was given a two-volume 
shorter Oxford dictionary. One's that thick, the other's that thick. When I gave a vote of thanks, I stood and said thanks to the students for giving me these dictionaries. But it defines fervent in this way. First one, hot, burning, glowing, boiling. That's fervent. When you're talking about persons, how they behave, ardent, intensely earnest. It then gives an example of the latter use, just says Wesley, I presume it was John Wesley, where he said, my heart in fervent wishes burns. So, if a vista came into the church this morning and had been sitting there at the back all the way through the service, would they regard our spoken prayers as fervent? Not here we go, it's you. But we all do it. How fervent are we when we pray here? If someone could divine our thoughts when we're praying, would they say that person is praying fervently? I don't know. Ardent, intensely, yes. Earnest, yes. But how often are our prayers hot, burning, glowing, boiling? My night, most of the time. But there's only one occasion when I do get really, I don't know how you call it, praying in tongues, as you call it. The only time usually I use that sort of prayer is before I start trying to write a sermon. You can't hear me, I'm sort of whispering. But it's a wonderful feeling, and it always ends in peace. But that fervent bit, it certainly comes. So yes, praying. It's something that comes naturally to some, others have to work on it. But it's more than just a list of what we want God to do for us. I do the shopping each week, I've got a list. I've got to get that and that and that and I hope I don't forget any. And if I add a few sweets, well that doesn't matter. We go through them fairly quickly. But remember it's a two-way process. It's not just us telling God, hey God, we want you to fix that, fix that, fix that, fix that. And I'm very worried about COVID-19. It's a two-way process. That's what communication is. Communication, the sender and the receiver. There's two-way business. There's feedback and all that stuff. If you want to study that Easter, it's good gear. But it's not a one-way process. Prayer is never a one-way process. We don't just say our piece and, okay, God, you got the list, do it. But when we're looking at getting back from God, that's the most difficult part I find with prayer. To keep my mind still and listen to what God is telling me in whatever form. Worse still, if I'm doing it in bed in the morning, what happens? I say to God something and then away we go. It's very hard. Or if I'm up and about, the concentration just drifts away. It's a lack of self-discipline. I confess that I don't spend a lot of time waiting for God in deliberate silence. But of course prayers do get answered. We pray, please Lord, let Nellie Van Dyke recover from this terrible situation she's in because apparently it is a terrible situation. Nellie may get better. I certainly hope she does, but she may not. So there's an answer to that prayer, but it's not coming in the way that we would like it. We'll find out in time. Our request, this is the way we want it, Lord, 
doesn't necessarily work. More likely it'll work in some other way and in retrospect we look back and say, that prayer was answered. I didn't have any idea it would be answered that way, but it was answered. Why? Is it different to what we ask for or want? Because God only knows the best solution. So, I started the sermon talking about pets. You can talk to a dog, dog won't turn, talk back. They won't speak to us. We can talk to a person, a person will speak back. We talk to God, God will respond in some way that God only knows. But the thing is that God is always there to communicate with, always with us, he was individually right now and anywhere, any other time. And God is here, as I said earlier, right now. So prayer is the way to respond to that contact that we have with God. And may we, collectively and individually, always aim to make our prayers natural, responsive and frequent and fervent. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that talking to you, communicating with you is a two-way process. We know that you are in charge. You know what is best for us. You know our prayers before we ask them, before we come to you. So Lord, may our prayers be genuine and whenever fervent. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help, head to gawleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.